morning, everyone. Just turn this on. I always feel comfortable with a clicker on my hand. That's what I do at work. Okay. Um, today, we are going to look at how worshipping transforms our ordinary actions. And I'll be looking and reading to you from Colossians chapter 3. So if you haven't got a Bible with you, there's some dotted around the place over there and over there. But get ready, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to be speaking to you at great length about clothing and Colossians and worship, but mostly about clothing. Um, but before I start, I have to say, I've seen this slide a lot over the last few weeks, and I, I cannot conceive of what would make me want to put that breakfast in my mouth. It does not look... I mean, it looks like the bottom of a fish tank to me. I, I genuinely... I, <laughs> I don't know what would make me do it. Um, so, the central message of this whole Life Worship series is pretty much what David preached on and what that video talked about, which is do everything in the name of Jesus, whatever you do. And that's the, the last verse of today's passage, and that, that's it in a whole nutshell. Um, but what does it really mean to do everything in the name of Jesus, and how do we actually do it? Let's start by reading today's passage, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. That's quite small up there. Sorry, I apologize for that. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a wonderful passage of scripture. It's absolutely fabulous. But, I mean, what's all this stuff about clothes? Why is Paul using a costume metaphor? And come to think of it, how can we possibly study a passage that begins with the word therefore without actually thinking about what happened before this passage? Clothing marks us out. I brought along a jacket here. It's a rather fetching jacket that I got for my 18th birthday. I wore this all through university. Love this jacket. I love the jacket. Clothing marks us out. It can make a statement. It can brand us. It identifies us. It can also be used to blend in. It can camouflage us. It can be put on, and it can be taken off. Paul says that our attitudes and our behaviours are equivalent to spiritual clothing and that we need to be very, very careful about what we wear. We must clothe ourselves with the attitudes and behaviours of Christ which were distinctive and revolutionary. And the thing about distinctive clothes is that they stand out in the crowd. So if we're wearing the clothes of Christ, it should be pretty obvious. I'm not saying Christ went around wearing pink Bermuda shorts, but you get the point. Paul's point is that our clothing should identify us. It should reflect who we are. 
It's precisely this Jesus-centered identity that, that he's at pains to get across to the Colossians in this whole letter, which is why it's one of the most Christ-centric books of the entire Bible. It's absolute, it was a delight studying Colossians to, to preach it to you today because there's so much wonderful stuff in it. So I'm going to give you a very quick overview. The church at Colossae was a relatively young church with some dodgy teachers in their midst. And these teachers were presumably telling them to obey human traditions, rules and rituals in order to become a qualified Christian. And in chapter 1, Paul basically just introduces himself and his theme. Hi, my name's Paul. We haven't met. Um, but I pray that you live worthy lives for God and are super thankful. Uh, and in chapter 2, he's at pains for the Colossians to understand that their new identity... And salvation are rooted in Christ alone. That's Christ only, not Christ plus rules, okay? And then in chapter 3, he makes this wonderful contrast between the attitudes of our old self and the attitudes of our new self. He then goes on to give practical instructions on how we should live this out in chapters 3 and 4. I'm a bit behind, there we go. Um, before closing with final greetings at the end of chapter 4. Nice one. Say hi to uh, Archippus for me. Okay, well, thanks, Paul. That's a great letter, and I love it. But I understand what you're on about with the clothing thing, but how do we actually do it? Well, I'm going to talk through this using four Ps. Put off, put on, permit peace, and praise God. I didn't take ages to come up with them. They just jumped out of the passage. It wasn't like I was PPP. Um, so let's zoom back into chapter 3, where in verses 5 to 9, so just a bit before... Uh, the passage that we read earlier, Paul lists the clothes that we need to put off. And they are sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which Paul equates with idolatry. He says greed is worshipping anything instead of God. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lies. So these behaviours, I mean, they sound really bad, but these are the very identity the clothing, the look and feel of your old earthly self. So we have to put them off. And do we just put them off once? Well, yes and no. Our old self died once and for all when we accepted Christ. Our status, our standing before God, was permanently changed to righteous when we accepted Christ. Look at the tense used in verses 9 and 10. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. That's the past tense. It's done. It's finished. You don't need to do it again in that context. It's a bit like me wearing this base layer. I put a base layer on under my shirt. I don't normally do that, but I put a nice bright white one on. It's almost like a new skin. So when we accept Christ, we get a new identity that can't be taken off. And it doesn't matter what I put on over the top of it. Even if I put on all of this stuff again, my identity is fixed. It's rooted in Christ. And that never changes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you. Often it does seem that when I get to the end of my day and I reflect back on my day, I have found that I have put on some of those old clothes again. Whether it's selfishness or greed, impatience on the A14. I suffer from that too. Uh, lustful thoughts or swearing. Now, not normally all at once. I don't normally just pile the whole wardrobe on. And not every day, you know. But at the end of a week, the list of my failings in that week is not a short list. And, um, you know, I don't feel great about that. So why do we do it? It's not like we're walking along and go, oh, malice. 
Oh, how dashing. Yes, I'll, I'll wear a bit of malice. Yes, thanks. Oh, that feels good. If we don't do that, so why we end up wearing our old clothes? Well, our old clothes are comfortable. They're familiar. They used to fit us so well. They're easy to put on because we like doing these things. I mean, that's a bullet list, right? But when we go deep and think about it, we like doing those things. It wouldn't be temptation if we didn't actually want to do it. So if we're honest with ourselves, there's something deep inside us that enjoys putting other people down. It makes us feel good about ourselves. It enjoys being selfish and ignoring the needs of others and focusing on what I want. It enjoys fanning the flames of anger and holding on to grudges and enjoying when other people get their comeuppance. We enjoy shocking people with inappropriate or lewd language. Enjoy indulging in lustful fantasy or worse. But when we catch a glimpse of ourselves wearing our old clothes, there's, it doesn't look right. Those clothes just aren't you anymore. It's kind of the same with a jacket. I mean, I don't equate this jacket with sin or anything like that. But, and I still love it. But it was 20 years ago, and it's, it's just not me anymore. What happens is the stark light of Christ and the, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts illuminates the sin in our lives. It shows us the wrong behavior, and we realize that it's not, it doesn't belong with our identity. But the thing is, the battle with temptations and behaviors that we're accustomed to, that we used to be accustomed to, it rages on every single day. So how do we practically make a change? We need to spend time with God every single day. Examine your behavior. Reflect on your day. Or reflect on the day ahead if you do it in the first thing in the morning. And ask the Holy Spirit to identify anything that you need to ask for forgiveness for. And then consciously turn away from that behavior. And I know you're going to have to do it again and again. But do it. Turn away from that behavior. Visualize putting it off. Leaving it before God. But Paul tells us we're to put these things to death. That's violent language. That's not subtle. It means not only putting them off, but stamping on them. I mean, if you're a fan of Tolkien, you can think about running them through with a sword, or if you like a bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, it's like giving them the old double tap, blam, blam, to make sure that they never get up again. If there's an area of sin in your life that's persistent, dirty old clothes that you keep putting on again and again, you need to act now to kill them off. Don't put up with putting them on every single day. Kill them off. How do we do that? Because if it were easy, we'd have done it already. Find some allies. It's a battle. It's a war. You need allies. So you need close people, close Christian friends, who will hold you to account, that you can be really open and honest with about your failings, your shortcomings. And they can hold you to account and they can pray for you. Start getting a bit more cerebral about your, about your sins, about where you fail. Understand your temptations. What is it that you're tempted to do again and again? And why are you tempted to do that thing? Actually think about why you want to do it or what, what's in it for you. What are you trying to get from that? Understand when you're tempted. What time does it normally happen? And where? Where are you when it normally happens? Think about this stuff because then you can come up with a plan. Get a tactic. 
ask someone to ring you or put an alarm in your phone. Write yourself a note about how you feel about that area of your life and leave it where you'll see it. Maybe put a symbol in your car. Maybe put a cross right over your horn if, if road rage is your problem, you know? But, but it's about finding what works for you in your particular area of sin. So that before we go too far down the road of temptation, we, we snap out of it and we put our minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's also from Paul in Colossians. Set your minds on things above. But what about memorizing a helpful scripture? One that speaks to that very issue and then speaking it over yourself when you need that encouragement. Or how about replacing sinful patterns of behavior with rewarding patterns of behavior? Pick up a hobby that you've always wanted to do, drawing or, or knitting, I don't know, or um, sport, exercise. Replace bad stuff with good stuff, that's great. Reading the Bible, even better. But honestly, you won't usually kill these things off overnight. I pray and I hope that, that you do. But it's a war of attrition. But it's one that we are certain to win. Thanks to Christ's victory on the cross. But here's the thing. Even when you've put your particular sin to death, you've put loads of distance between you and that really persistent sin over there that you like to put up. Until we're in heaven, that is still in your wardrobe. It's in your chest of drawers just waiting to be put back on. And don't drop your guard for an instant. But it's not enough just to put off our old clothes. Because if spiritual clothing is our attitudes and behaviours, then unless we've had a lobotomy, we're always going to be wearing something. So what are we going to wear? Well, in verses 12 to 15, Paul gives us a veritable shopping list of essential wardrobe items for the daily Christian life. And they are, just to read them again, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness and forbearance, love, which binds all together in unity, our hearts are to be ruled by peace, we're to be thankful, and we're to be wise. Wonderful. Putting these on will actually help us to stop picking those up, dusting them off, and putting them on instead. Because no one goes around wearing 50 pairs of clothes... So if you put those on first, you're on to a winner. So we're to be kind and gentle. There's a strong imperative to forgive. The echo of the Lord's Prayer here is really clear. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We have to forgive. We must put on love. Now love is the glue that holds all these other virtues together. And that, to me, there was an image that came to me of that. Because all these different virtues, they're going to look a bit different in every person. We're all going to wear slightly different garments of clothing. We're not all going to be kind in the same way. We're not all going to be humble in the same way. But love is like the thread that wove every single one of those garments together. Your clothes, my clothes, our spiritual clothes are all woven together with the thread of love. I love that picture. So, now at first, when we put these clothes on, might seem a little bit of an uncomfortable fit. Is that because they're wrong for us? No, we know they're not. They're the right clothes for this. They, they look great with, with our identity. So why do they feel a bit uncomfortable? Well, for me, sometimes it can feel as if I'm faking it a bit when I put these on. It feels a bit like I'm pretending to be a Christian sometimes. And I think that's because I'm very, very aware of my failings and my sin. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of... of how we fail to put those on sometimes and how we sometimes pick up that list. And that's normal. That's, that's, that's okay. 
There's a popular phrase at the moment, fake it till you make it. I'm not a fan of that phrase. It seems really trite. But actually, in this instance, through a mystery of God's grace at work and the Holy Spirit at work in us, it actually seems to be true. The word imitate appears 21 times in the Bible. And it's split between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, the word imitate is most commonly God saying to Israel, don't imitate the detestable ways of those nations around you. It's a negative standard that they're not to imitate. But in the New Testament, time and time again, we're called to imitate Christ by imitating Paul and the other apostles. It's a positive standard. It's the difference between the, the covenant, the law of sin and death, and the covenant of grace that God's given us. Instead of having a negative standard that we always fail against, we've got this positive standard that's at work within us. The more we copy these behaviours ourselves, the more they actually start to feel comfortable. And the more we just put them on without thinking about it. And with Christ in us, we've been given the power to do it. He's the fuel. I mentioned before that these Christ-like clothes should stand out in the crowd, and they will stand out in the crowd. If they sometimes feel uncomfortable to us, imagine how uncomfortable they'll make non-Christians when you're wearing them right in front of them. Now, I'm a bit of a pessimist. Anyone who knows me well will know that I love a good moan. Hopefully God will change that, but it just seems to be the case for now. But even me, I distinctly remember a couple of times at work where people have said to me things like, oh, John, you're always trying to see the best in people. Oh, John, you're always sticking up for people. (laughs) They were trying to put me down. They were saying that as a bit of a slight because they were trying to slide people off behind their backs. And I was just thinking of, a, of the best or the, poss- the potential for the best in them. What a wonderful compliment. And it just it made me realize when they said that, oh, I must have changed. I didn't notice that I'd put on kindness that morning. What a fantastic compliment. So yes, it should stand out. So how do we put it into practice? I'm not going to stand here and try and teach you how to be nice. I'm not going to stand here and try and teach you how to be gentle. You know how to do that. But how about this? If there's one person that you really struggle to be patient with, why not put all your effort into just being patient with that one person? Because I'm pretty sure you'll very quickly be being patient with everyone. Change your behavior towards that one situation, that one person. Get yourself a mentor. We're not actually, most of the time, we're not actually called to imitate Christ. We're told to imitate Paul and the other apostles and thereby imitate Christ. I've been meeting with Simon, he's here, didn't know I was going to do this, but I've been meeting with Simon Sykes once a month for the last few years, I think, and it's been immensely beneficial to me. I can't pinpoint a single one thing that's changed in my life because we've been doing that, but the opportunity to meet with with Simon, to share my life with him, share my struggles with him, and my passions as well, has been wonderful to have that prayer and walking together. It's been fantastic. So if you struggle to be patient, find a Christian who's mature, that you look up to, who's immensely patient, and get with them regularly and pray together. (laughs) And (laughs) Patience wasn't our thing. Don't worry, don't worry. (laughs) Um, So find yourself a mentor. And you know what? If you're a mature Christian and thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at putting on those clothes, and I don't really identify with much on that left-hand side because they're in the wardrobe, and I've, I've distanced myself. Ask God right now, today, to put a name on your heart, who you should be drawing close to, 
and helping with their struggles. So the challenge of Colossians is to live now as the kind of people that we're going to be when Christ appears. Verse 10 says that your new self is being renewed, and I like the New Living Translation, it's, your new self is being renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Notice the present tense. It's continually happening. It's both a lifelong journey and a daily struggle. It's a struggle to put off our old habits and put on new ones, but it's fueled, it's powered by Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this itself is an act of worship. This is how I'm linking it to that whole worship thing. Because as we learned from, from Romans 12, our true and proper worship is to offer our whole lives as a, daily, as a sacrifice. So daily struggling with putting off and putting on is in itself an act of worship. But right after issuing this challenge, if you look at verse 15, Paul says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Paul gets that it's a struggle. He wrote about that in his other letters. He understands that. And he reminds us not to be overcome by guilt at our own failings. You were called to peace. Note the language. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, in your hearts. This is an act of permission. Christ is already in us, and we're already in him. His peace is just ready and waiting to flow into our hearts. But we must choose to put down whatever we're worrying at, whatever we're worrying about. It's like picture a dog worrying at a bone or a rag. You've got to let that go to allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart. And if you take anything away from this morning, take this one thing. Because this means we can hold our faith in balance. And it's something that I've struggled with. On the one hand, we daily strive and struggle to fight the good fight, to strain for the prize, to put off the old self and put on the new self, and it's hard. But on the other hand, we can have peace with God. Wherever we're at on the journey, right now, today, we can have peace. We can have the grace and forgiveness of Christ, and we can have that in balance. It doesn't permit that. It doesn't say that that's okay, but it does say that our identity is rooted in Christ. Pick yourself up each time you fail. Ask God for forgiveness. Keep a short account with him. Commit to trying again tomorrow. But then forgive yourself and allow Christ's peace to enter into your heart. So where then does that leave us? This new wardrobe and peace that we've got. Well, as we continue to put off, put on and permit peace, we enable ourselves to be truly thankful for who Christ is, for everything that he's done for us and for the promise of our own resurrection and appearance with him in glory. And we express this gratitude in our prayers and in our sung worship, gaining even more wisdom and knowledge of Christ as we do. Paul says that we gain wisdom as we worship. Sung worship has always had a powerful teaching role in the history of the church. So don't complain about the worship on a Sunday if you don't like it, especially if I'm leading it. But... <laughs> Instead, like if you don't like that song, there's songs that I don't like, it's okay. Um, but instead, why don't you use that as a prayer of thanksgiving to God? Use it to express your thanks to God. Use it to gain wisdom. Why don't you work out where, where those lyrics, which, which passage those lyrics come from, and memorize them. Commit them to your heart. 
and also use it to build up the body of Christ by encouraging Christ's message to dwell among us. Paul says Christ's message dwells, literally dwells among us as we worship him. Put off your old self. Put on the spiritual clothes of Christ. Permit peace. Let it rule in your hearts. And praise God in everything and express it by singing. Put off. Put on. Permit peace and praise God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this new wardrobe, this clothing that we're called to put on. I thank you for that wonderful standard of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power within us to emulate him, to imitate him. I thank you for the support and the fellowship of those Christian brothers and sisters around us who can spur us on and keep us going. But above all, Lord, I thank you for the grace that you have given us freely because you love us, to forgive us for our sins and love us right now wherever we're at on our journey. I pray, Lord, if there are people here who need to hear that message, Lord, that they will hear it loud and clear. Will you break through in their hearts and give them that forgiveness and a knowledge of that forgiveness that allows them to be at peace with you, Lord. I pray a gospel of peace over this people this morning. And I pray against any strongholds of sin that may be, that may be raging in people's lives, Lord, and I break them in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. May we all be imitators of you. Amen.